Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Senior Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Eric Moses, President of Nashville Super Speedway. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Esports Travel Summit, the world's largest gathering of esports tournament and video game event organizers, and the only event focused on the travel side of the esports industry. The Esports Travel Summit will be held at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from December 14th through the 16th, 2021. This year's conference will feature the co-location of the United States Esports Federation's annual meeting. For more details on everything we have planned at the conference this year, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. Nashville Super Speedway reopened in June 2021 and was on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule for the first time this past season. Leading the track's renaissance both within the Nashville community in addition to the NASCAR scene is Eric Moses, a longtime leader in mid-Atlantic sports and entertainment circles. Moses is well known throughout the sports event industry, having joined Nashville Super Speedway after being the president of the XFL's DC Defenders, and prior to that, an extensive background in sports tourism as senior vice president at Adventure. DC for more than a decade, and also working as CEO of the DC Sports and Entertainment Commission. We talked with Eric on the trade show floor during the recent Sports ETA Symposium in Birmingham, Alabama, about building back Nashville Super Speedway's reputation, planning a NASCAR weekend in the midst of the ongoing pandemic, and the sports diversity efforts with him being the first black executive of a Speedway track. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Eric Moses, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me. Nashville Super Speedway president. Yes. Uh, when they first were talking to you about the job and you were, you know, before you were hired, what made you first interested in the position? Um, it's the kind of challenge that I've liked to take on in my career. You know, I, I view myself as a builder of things. Um, and this track uh, had been originally constructed and opened in 2001 with the hopes of bringing a NASCAR Cup Series race there. It was a little bit of, uh, if you build it, they will come, the they meaning the Cup Series. And as I understand it, there was a gentleman's agreement between uh, our owner of Dover Motorsports at the time and I think Bill France Jr., but I'm not certain, don't quote me on that, about if we built this track in, in, in Nashville or just outside of Nashville, uh, a Cup race would come. And they opened the place up. It was beautiful. It ran for 10 years at the Xfinity and the truck level, but never could quite capture a Cup Series race. And so after 10 years, they stopped the bleeding and closed the place down. It was the need to reopen it because they had finally secured a Cup Series race that caused them to want to find someone to help lead that effort. And, and those are the kinds of professional challenges I like to take on. Hot market, sport that is beloved in the region, um, a really good company that had a great reputation in the industry, and something new. From the time that you've been there, it's been just about a year or so, you know, what have you found about Nashville as an auto racing market? That's a great market for all things motorsports. People love their cars in Nashville and in Tennessee generally and in the region. I jokingly say to people that everybody seems to be auditioning for NASCAR because when I'm driving on the road with our our uh, pace car, which is a Shelby GT uh, 500, uh, people are passing me in Priuses and vans and in every other kind of car, so I figure they're all auditioning. Uh, but no, they love it. The, the cars and coffee uh, type events, um, the drifting events, the all manner of autocross events and things that we have in and around Nashville are just so numerous that it's, it's clear to see that people love motorsports. Uh, in, in Nashville, and that's that's obviously good for us. You also had an IndyCar race th 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 this year, and yeah. how does that does that help 
when you have both NASCAR and IndyCar and all those other series that you mentioned to, to get kind of a year-round auto racing feel? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's part of what I'm here to talk about today is kind of mo- uh, music city to, to motorsport city kind of a, a transformation we're making. I think uh, what I've found is that the people that I saw at our race in June or our races in June, I also saw down at the Nashville Fairground Speedway for the Tony Stewart's SRX racing experience, and I also saw many of those folks downtown for the Grand Prix. And so I think there's something to motorsports that draws people in. Don't get me wrong, there are distinctive fans for each of those sports. And some people, if they like open wheel, then they don't like stock car. Um, and even you know, some people, if they like F1, they don't like Indy. And so you know, it can get kind of uh, um, siloed. But I generally believe that people who like speed and want to see cars go fast... They want as much of that as possible. You, you mentioned the race in June, and when you are hosting an event for the first time, yep. and you mentioned the, 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 the track had been built for a while, it gone kind of gone dormant for a bit, and then you have this event. What type of nerves, for you know, even for somebody who's an experienced sports executive, first time doing a certain event such as NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, you're always anxious because you want to do well, both for uh, the fans, uh, for your teammates, for the sport, for the drivers and teams. Um, and so, yeah, there is the, the anxiousness around wanting to, to succeed and do really well and make people happy. Um, and I felt that. But as I always say, I mean, nobody puts more pressure on me to, do, to succeed than myself. So I wasn't too much worried about that. But we had a lot to get together in a short period of time. And so... You know, I started in September of 20 for a race in June of 20. Uh, we were still building a team. We had to put $10 million worth of improvements, renovations uh, into the infrastructure and into the buildings. Um, it was a lot, you know, and had to rebuild a brand, like from scratch. Reintroduce people who were familiar with the Super Speedway from its first iteration to let them know we were back. And then all of the new people in and around Nashville who had no idea that there was a super speedway just east of Nashville, you know, we had to introduce ourselves to them. You mentioned the brand and how you had to kind of build that brand up because, you you know, there were people who were probably like, wait a minute, we thought we were going to get this a long time ago. Why should we be get invested just for this year? How do we know it's not going to go away? So, I mean, what what challenges did those present to you, and how were you guys? How do you think you guys were able to overcome them this year? Well, that kind of thing was uh, was not unfamiliar to me because I had just come from the XFL, where people said, "Okay, <laughs> XFL 2.0. Now, why should we buy into this?" So, so I had my spiel down for for why things make sense and why you should trust us. What I found is that. If you're honest with people and upfront about what happened, what's going to happen, what you think the challenges are, and how you how you plan to uh, you know overcome those, you know if, if they want to support, they will. And people love NASCAR, and that's the great thing about our about our sport and about our region is that they want to like it, they want to be there, um, and uh, and we've gone everywhere and shouted from the mountaintops that here's who we are, this is what we're going to be about, and here's why you should support us. And so I didn't find it to be all that challenging. I mean. It is a, a live event city, right? And so there's lots of competition for people's time and their money. And so we had to spend a lot of time figuring out exactly how to promote ourselves, exactly how to find that fan base, and then how to appeal to them. Because we couldn't just do the core fan, the traditional NASCAR fan. 
have to have those folks, have to make certain that they understand that we're back and they can expect what they love about the sport. But we also have to pitch a really big tent because we need to bring more people into the sport. And that's something we spend a good amount of time focusing on. And you're also having an event that still is being in hell in relative hell of an era of a pandemic. And for families who would like to go to a NASCAR race, but they want to make sure that it's affordable because they've been they've dealt been dealing with stress financially. How do you balance making sure that you're able to get fans who want to enjoy it but at a at an affordable price while also making sure that you want to make sure that this event is financially successful? You want to make sure that you still have your high dollar activations. The great thing about, about a, a NASCAR weekend, which is how we refer to our event, is we have three races, and they're at different levels. So we start off Friday night with our truck race, and then Saturday with our Xfinity race, and Sunday with our cup race, and they get more expensive and bigger as you go on throughout the weekend. And so I was saying to a lot of my friends and others that I had met in and around Nashville, if you're not a fan right now, and you're not very familiar with the sport, but you want to dip your toe in the water and see how it is, Come out Friday night or Saturday. Trucks get after it, you know, and seeing trucks race like that on under the lights on a Friday night is a nice kind of like way to onboard to the sport. If that's not your thing, then come Saturday. If you don't know any better, the Xfinity Series cars don't look any different from the Cup Series cars. The race is shorter, the prices are cheaper, and so that's another way to kind of onboard people um, at a cheaper price point, but the same kind of action and really great drivers. I mean, Kyle Busch won our uh, won our. Uh, our Tennessee Lottery 250, which was our, our Xfinity Series race, and it was his 100th uh, Xfinity Series win. So he's a cup driver, right? And 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 a cup you know champion. And so you get to see the up and coming drivers, but you also get to see some of the some of the more established drivers there. So I think that's one one good thing about the sport. One of many good things about the sport that allows people to kind of find their right price point. Not to mention different tiering prices in in the grandstands and things of that nature. But the high dollar activations, how important are they for any track now? Because this is an area, an era, no matter what the sport, you want to make sure you have those club spaces, those high, those executive areas, because that's where you get a lot of your sponsorships, especially locally, yeah. is being able to put on that type of, you know, inside the bubble experience. Yeah, it, it was challenging during the pandemic because you have to imagine most of our planning was happening in kind of the fall of 20 going into the winter where things were still very very iffy and so we probably did not activate both for kind of the masses or for uh, premium inventory in the way we would have under normal circumstances not being worried about public safety and health risks and things of that nature but we do you know we have suites and 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 those were open and active we have premium RV uh, opportunities for people which during COVID help you quite a bit right because in your RV, I can do a high dollar amount for an RV spot in our infield because it's a, a, a unique experience, but you're self-contained in your own kind of bus, right? And so I don't. it's not the same as if we do a, a high-end club for 150 strangers who are all buying individual all-inclusive tickets or what have you, and then you don't quite know who's there. So that, that was a wrinkle for us to try to figure how to balance out how can we do things that provide a premium experience, understanding that having people congregate together as strangers might not have been the best thing to do under the circumstances. 
you mentioned, I want to go back to the renovations that you had to put in, the money that you had to put in to make sure that the track was ready for this year and for the future. How much of that, as were you, did you have a plan going on, but then you have to change the plan because you're thinking to yourself, well, now we want to make sure that it's a contactless experience for fans. We want to make sure that the technology is there, especially the Wi-Fi loads. I talk to a lot of venue operators, and, and they constantly go back to Wi-Fi technology loads. That, you know, Take me through that process as to where you were, where you first started plans, and how much they may have changed as they were going along. Well, for our venue, given that it was opened in 2001, as you can imagine, there was a lot to upgrade in order to make certain that fans had the kind of experience that they're accustomed to in 2021, which would be very different. I mean, Wi-Fi wasn't even a, a thing to worry about in 2001, or <laughs> or so much in 2011 when we closed down, right? So the first thing was, was the fiber installation. Uh, we have Wi-Fi 6. We have the best Wi-Fi on the circuit uh, next to... Daytona. You know, it's Wi-Fi 6 helps in high-density areas to, to ensure the speed and reliability of, of, uh, of communications. And so that part was key because of the different expectations in 21 and beyond uh, than, than fans had in 2011 when we last ran. Um, in terms of kind of the COVID-specific kinds of um, preparations, we were more worried about, you know, gutting all of our suites because they needed to be gutted gutting our media center, our infield care center, which is like our mini hospital uh, inside the track, um, doing things like that, new signs. We have an entirely different brand. And so it was more the kind of blocking and tackling of making certain when people showed up, they didn't go, oh, it pretty much looks the same as it did 20 years ago. You know, And in fact, and we had some really um, wonderful praise from Dale Jr. and Steve Phelps and Jim France and all these other people and drivers who literally showed up at our track and went, "Oh my God, what did you guys do? How does it how does it look this way?" You know, maybe expecting the worst or not expecting what we were able to accomplish. And and you know, a lot of kudos go to the, the team at NASCAR Design and Development because those guys do it all over the country at the highest level, and they were who we employed to help us figure out how do we bring the track back, what things are important, and how do we get that done. And that's just the first phase, right? We'll have more stuff that we want to do, uh, hopefully as we get through this pandemic and we can start thinking about shared experiences and getting people together in ways that we were all accustomed to before this happened. You touch on something there, and you know, it, how much of planning for this year, but even for next year and down the line, do you still have to maintain the potential for two tracks of plans, a pandemic-affected plan and a the pandemic is over, things are as almost as what they were pre-pandemic and we can do all these things that we wouldn't under quote-unquote normal situations would normally do. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because, you know, we happen to be in a state that is not as restrictive as many other states. And so we had no restrictions. I mean, we also hit it at the right time. We were at the end of June vaccinations were growing, people were, were getting vaccinated, things were opening up. Um, had we been two months earlier or two months later, it might have been a little bit different, but we had no restrictions, full sellout, full capacity sellout, did not become a super spreader uh, in any way, um, and so things worked out. But there's still that balance, you know? I mean, just because you can do things doesn't mean you should. And, and I take it um, as a pretty important responsibility of ours to try to keep not only our staff and our team members safe, but also to keep our fans safe. And so, you know, I'll give you a, for, for, for instance, um, rather than building a large um, stage outside in our fan zone, where most of our fans, you know, 85% of NASCAR fans spend some time in a fan zone, it's usually about two hours. 
we didn't build a stage out there because what happens when you build a stage and you put people on the stage? People all go to the front of the stage. They all congregate elbow to elbow to see what's happening on the stage. I didn't really want to do that. And so we worked with our partners at Ford, got a couple of F-150s, and we did mobile stages. We put the performers in the back of the pickup trucks and drove them around the track in the campgrounds and had them perform in the back. So people didn't have to gather there. They could sit where they were, near their RVs or in, or in lawn chairs or what have you, and listen to the music without feeling like they had to gather around the stage. It's, it's being able to pivot in those kinds of ways. You're still bringing entertainment, but you're doing it in a slightly different area that I think will continue until we fully either eliminate this thing or, or figure out ways to, to keep everybody completely safe. Where do you think NASCAR is now on the sporting stage and where is it going? Because there was a time 10, 15 years ago where everybody thought this is the hottest thing in the world. Yeah, I think we have great leadership at, at NASCAR from a sport level and a sanctioning body level. They're being very creative with the way that they put together our schedule, obviously adding us to the schedule last year, Road America, um, Coda last year. This year we'll start with the clash at the LA Coliseum, which is going to be fantastic and we'll have the eyes of the entire country and certainly the entire sporting world on us at the beginning of the season. So I have a lot of confidence in where Steve Phelps and the other leadership at NASCAR are taking our sport. You know, look, in the glory days, I, I, I joke with, uh, with with the folks that on our team who have been around for a long time that they could fall out of bed and, and sell 100,000 tickets, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> it's not that way anymore. And I've talked to friends of mine who are drivers and Hall of Famers and other people who have been in sport for a long time, and I say, was that really the equilibrium and where the sport should be back then in the glory days when Dale Sr. was doing his thing and Jeff Gordon, all, or are we more close to where equilibrium would be now and what I've heard is that we're closer to where the sport probably naturally should be now than we were then but all sports to that point are getting smaller I remember being in Washington DC when when the then Redskins now Washington football team moved out of RFK is because they needed 75 to 90,000 seat stadium stadiums being built these days are 65 to 75,000 because we don't need buildings that large so I think I, all that to say I think we were at a inflated height at one point and now I think we and then we went down after Dale senior passed and then the economy the bottom fell out of the economy and all those things kind of conspired to give the sport a gut punch I think we're on our ascent uh, and I think the the things that the leadership are doing uh, is helping with that and we kind of got back to our roots a little bit you know focused on the southeast and and and, and that part of the, the origins of the sport and then look for good markets in order to extend the sport to um, and Nashville is, is one of those I mean you know you can make the argument that Nashville should have never been without a cup series race but we were pleased to be able to bring one back after 37 years NASCAR, for better or for worse, has a reputation as a good old boy sport, no matter how modern it has become. For you, as a black man, to be running the Nashville Super Speedway, does that have special significance for you? It has significance to me in this way. It doesn't really mean anything to me to kind of be the first and the only right now, but I'll tell you a quick story. So, I, I was at the NASCAR Hall of Fame last year, last fall had a, a meeting with NASCAR, and their offices are connect, connected to the Hall of Fame. They said, before we have the meeting, why don't you go through and, and do a quick tour of the Hall of Fame? Like, Great, you know, I'm trying to soak up as much as I can about the sport, learn as much as I can. What better place to do that than Hall of Fame? Executive director takes me around. I see a black family in there that walks through, mother, father, and son, teenage son. And I think, oh, that's cool, you know, because it's pandemic, we all got masks on, it's not, it's not packed, but there are people in there. We get up to the second floor and the father comes up to me and he says, hey, um, do you run the Nashville Super Speedway? And I'm like, 
yeah, I do, which is odd because I have a mask on and I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination. And he says, I thought that was you. My son recognized you as soon as you walked in because he follows you on Instagram. And he said, can we take a picture? I'm like, absolutely. Bring him over here. Let's take a picture. Come over. Son's name is Harper Lucas. Harper is probably 15 now. And Harper wants to be a, uh, a, a commentator for NASCAR. Knows everything. Encyclopedic knowledge about NASCAR. Loves the sport. Lives in Cleveland. Comes to the Roval Race every year. Goes to the Hall of Fame with his family. Me being in this position and hopefully being successful at it, if it gives Harper some encouragement that he can be a NASCAR commentator or anything else he wants to be in this sport, that's why it's important. It's not important to see my name in lights or any of that kind of stuff. It's important to give encouragement to other people who think, who previously thought maybe it couldn't be done because of the color of their skin or their background or where they come from or what have you. And hopefully now they have some encouragement that they can. To that end, Bubba Wallace winning this year at Talladega and it driving for a team that's, among other people, owned by Michael Jordan. How big of a boost is that to the sport? I think it's huge. And, and, and look, there's some... some um, Ironic that 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 uh, Bubba won at Talladega. I think you know there's some poetic justice in that. I like Bubba. I think he's uh, incredibly courageous. I also think he's a good driver. Bubba has the potential to do to our sport what the Williams sisters did for tennis and what Tiger did for. Them. Everybody knows that. It doesn't mean that every person of color or young person is going to be a NASCAR fan, but it does mean that where previously they wouldn't pay any attention to our sport, we can now get their attention. And once we get their attention, and if we can get you to a track, there's a pretty darn good chance that you're going to become a fan. And, and, and Bubba allows us to do that. And if Daniel Suarez has, has more uh, success, is the only Latin driver on the circuit right now, on the cup circuit, we'll see that too. If Haley Deegan moves up from you know, Xfinity up to the cup rate, I mean, all of that. Because representation does matter. People want to see themselves in your sport and in that activity so that they feel a bit more comfortable. There's always excitement that comes with being able to put on the first event of anything, the first NASCAR yeah. Cup Series race in Nashville. Where's your is that is it still do you still maintain that already looking ahead toward next year in the second NASCAR event that's a weekend that's coming to Nashville? Yeah, I mean to your point, the inaugural is the inaugural, right? There's going to be a lot of buzz and excitement around the inaugural. They're going to be the people who feel like, well, we got to go because it's the first one, right? Um, how do you keep that momentum and that excitement all the way through? And I think you know you do that by trying, in my opinion, trying to blend kind of the old and the new. You know, making certain that we are keeping with most of the traditions, but also building and creating some of our own traditions. Making certain that we are appealing to our core fans who have held this sport down for decades, for 74 years, uh, but also appealing to younger people and, and diverse audiences to say, hey, come give us a shot, like check this out. Once you come out here and you feel that roar and rumble in your chest, once you get down on the grid and you're able to talk to a competitor, 20 minutes before they go out here and literally risk their lives to compete at this at, in this sport. I mean, it does something to people. You know, and the other thing I tell you about NASCAR that um, I'm still working on how to describe it. I have not yet developed the, the language to fully articulate it. But there is something about the community of NASCAR and our fans that is different than other sports that I, than all other sports that I've been involved with can't really describe it more than to say it feels more like a family it, there's something just very um, common about it but common not in a derogatory way common in a way that we can find commonality in the grandstands that there's some basic kind of fundamental um, kind of uh, 
connection, if, for lack of a better term. And it's palpable, man, when you're, when you're out there. There's something about it. And I, I got to figure out how to talk about it and describe it better than I'm doing right now. But I felt it. You know, I felt it. And people have described it to me, even newbies. Like friends of mine who first raced went out and went, we're sitting in the grandstands and this family behind us adopted us and just started sharing food and stuff with us and explaining to us the stage breaks and who their favorite driver was and why and how the Toyotas are working together versus the Chevys versus the Fords. And, and people do that in other sports, but it's, there's something different about it, and it's special, and I want everybody to have an opportunity to be exposed to that. Well, Eric Moses, I'm sure you'll be continuing to work on not only trying to articulate that, but making sure that the, the NASCAR Cup Series at Nashville Super Speedway is a success in the future. Thank you for joining us today Thanks for having on me. the Sports Travel Podcast. I really appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trow for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.